Would you pray with me, please? Almighty God, I come to you now as your servant, asking that the words that I speak this morning would not be mine, but they would be yours. Asking that those who hear these words will bring them to that place, O oh God, not only in their hearts, but that place where only you and they go, their souls. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, that I would do your will and not my own. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. And by way of those who are watching <laughs> out in the internet world, these uh, glasses is because the pastor is losing his mind and forgot his reading glasses. And so Alice uh, <laughs> decided to share hers. Aren't they great? Yes, they are. They look great on you. Amen. Do they? I should go out and buy a pink pair of glasses. Amen. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, today's uh, gospel comes from the 17th chapter of John, beginning with the 20th verse. This is Jesus, and he's in the middle of a prayer, and just so you've got this setting, this is on the night that he will later be arrested. So um, that should give you a better idea of why he's saying some of the stuff that he's saying. I am praying not only for them, but also for those who will believe in me. Because of them and their witness about me, the goal is for all of them to become one heart and mind. Just as you, O oh God, are in me and I in you so that they might be one heart and mind with us. Then the world might believe that you, in fact, sent me. The same glory you gave me, I gave them. And so they, they'll be as unified and together as we are. I in them and you in me. Then they will mature into this oneness and will give the godless world evidence that you have sent me and loved them in the same way that you have loved me. All right, so this is a prayer of a man who knows that he is about to be arrested knows that the ministry that he has spent the last three years doing is going to come to an end. Did anybody, if you know that setting, kind of think of this prayer as, you know, that thing that people do just before they die? They want to make sure their legacy is carried on. They want to make sure that those things that they have taught are continued. Amen? Of course, this whole prayer, today in lots of churches, there will be pastors who read the entire thing. And it's a lot longer than the reading you had to do that entire prayer. And then they will use the prayer as a defense of the Trinity. You know, this is, this is Jesus praying that God, I, and the Holy Spirit are all in one. And the reason that I picked out this part of the prayer, 
instead of talking about the Trinity because that's not important. What's important is this call that Jesus is asking for. That if we believe in him, that it should somehow unify us. But here, that's the trip point, is it not? What is unity? <laughs> Amen? The church has been calling for unity since Jesus went up on the cross and since he rose again. And how unified do you think the church actually is? Anybody want to take a shot? How many denominations are there? Amen? And every one of those denominations will tell you that they're the way to go. Amen? So what do you think Jesus was asking us for? Because it appears, if I understand the definition of unity, it means that we work in lockstep, doesn't that? That if we're unified, I can have uh, some kind of decision that has to be made, i.e., what color should the altar cloth be, and everybody, if we're unified, will say what? Whatever particular color it is. Blue, red, whatever. And there won't be any dissent, because if we're all unified... <clears throat> but that presents a problem, doesn't it? Because that's not the way we are. So if that's not the way we are, what is this prayer of unity that Jesus is asking for? Anybody want to take a shot at what it is to be unified? Set aside our differences and come mm -hmm. together. Say what? Set aside our differences and come together. Set aside differences, come together. Anybody else? Come on, I'll take one more. Don't be quiet, the camera's on. <clears throat> Somebody take a shot. Bill? <laughs> unify our initial, our love for God and Jesus. Our, unify our love for God and Jesus, okay? Just everybody in the same agreement that. You're lucky there's two bills in that direction, but <laughs> you're right. Say that again? Just, just recognizing that God is, 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 is there's one God and there's different ways of What is the one thing that we know without a doubt? If, if we've read scripture, if you've been in this church for any number of years or even just a few times, what is the one thing that you can walk out of this place knowing on every Sunday? That Jesus walked the earth and uh, we find God through Jesus. Okay. God loves us unconditionally, no matter Bingo. That's where it all starts. That God loves you unconditionally. It's that relationship. Huh? It's that relationship. That, and it's that relationship. That's where it all starts. That is a unity of spirit. Because if most of our conversation started with God loves me. Now, I found, <laughs> you knew I was going to find an example of how to be unified even if you're not. Okay? An old seminary professor was telling another minister how he ministered in a church that had a major fight 
over wood piles, piles of wood. This church had a wood stove in the center of the sanctuary. You see why I thought this would be good for us? That heated the building. The two groups in the same church didn't get along with each other, but they took turns stoking the fire and keeping it lit. However, one group claimed that they were working harder than the other group to provide wood. Where have we heard this before? Right? As a result, both groups provided wood, but they were in separate piles. One child, and it's always coming from a child who sees the truth, read the scripture one Sunday, and his own version from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 5, one faith, one Lord, one baptism, two piles of wood. <laughs> Unity is not about everybody going in the same direction at the same time. What Jesus is calling for is for us to be of one mind in our relationship with God. And where we get thrown off track so many times is when we decide how God is going to deal with people that we don't like. Amen? People that aggravate us, people that mess with us. I'm getting ready to write a blog, and this is the title of the blog, and you'll know where this blog is going to go, because somebody earlier this week said that the Christian church was not a call to confession, but a call to love. I took that a step further. The Christian church was not founded upon some confession, but rather it was founded upon a declaration. And that declaration is, God, forgive them. That is where we find our unity, is in the ability to know that every one of us belongs to God. That every one of us has our own relationship with God, and that is good to celebrate that. You know, uh, the other thing that I found that I thought was interesting was despite, uh, this other person writing about the same thing said, what is the one unifying thing that the Christian church has? We call it what? The golden rule. Everybody know what the golden rule is? No? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Do you know how many religions have that golden rule? Well, you're about to find out. In Hinduism, it's stated like this. Those gifted with intelligence should always treat others as they themselves wish to be treated. In Shinto, the version is, the suffering of others is my suffering, and the good of others is my good. In Buddhism, it is, a person can minister to friends and familiars by treating them as he treats himself. Taoists, regard your neighbor's gain as your own gain and regard your neighbor's loss as your own loss. In Islam, none of you is a believer until he loves his brother for what he loves for himself. And the sheiks, as thou deemest thyself so deem others, then thou shalt become a partner in heaven. 
in Confucianism. And, and I can never pronounce this right, is it Zoroasterism? Is that right? The rule is stated in the same way as in the New Testament, except that it is couched in negative terms. Do not unto others what you would not do unto you. And of course, the Jewish equivalent in the book of Leviticus, chapter 19, verse 18, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So what was Jesus calling us to do? Jesus was simply calling us to give the dignity that belongs to all of us because we're a creation of God. And despite all the different paths in that relationship to God, despite all the different ways of worshiping, despite all of our differences in likes and dislikes, there seems to be one thing that is in common with it all. Love others as you're loved. And know today that as you walk out of this place, that it can be a different week if you just decide that in your head, look, God loves me, I am gonna make a point of loving in the same way that God loves me. God bless you.